Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast, where I'm joined by my wife, Olympic mental performance coach, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. In these episodes, Stephanie and I have a conversation about the different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters, because we believe that for those who are awake, we are living in and through the most impactful time in history. Your view of the world is the filter for how you will experience the evolution and changing dynamics of it. Our intention is to provide you with ideas, nutritious food for thought, and some tools that you can use to help you in being your greatest self and living your best life. Listen in. Enjoy. Hey there, and welcome to the show, Stephanie. Welcome. Hey, Han. I have been spending a lot of time, I don't want to say that, say it that way. I have been spending some time more than usual, perhaps, on some social media and listening to politics, politicians, and what's pushing my buttons these days is this constant, I don't know what it is, narrative around misinformation, disinformation, I'm I'm woke, I'm awake. There's a lot of words out there, and uh, you had the genius idea to come up with a new word order. <laughs> or no, not a new. It oh, is oh, the oh. new word order. That was pretty clever. Thank you. So, you know, we're faced with a whole smattering of new or even old words with a new meaning. Words like misinformation, as I said, disinformation. How about a word that came out that nobody had heard of before, which was, you know, fact checker. And then we came up with the LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ. And then there's all sorts of other words that I want to go through today. I think it's, you know, how does this, or how is this relative to, uh, or relevant to, mindset matters. I think it's important that we really understand some of the words that are coming at us so that we have some meaning behind it so we know what we're being told so that we're not being gaslit. How's that? Oh, that's another one, right? I just threw one in there just like that. And, uh, you know, considering that we don't want to be caught in the cancel culture, or maybe oh, we do. We now you're just now you're just showing off. <laughs> I'm just dropping words left, right, and center. I guess that's maybe uh, an example of some microaggression. And uh, um, here you we know, go. And here I go because <laughs> on a day like today, I could be really woke, even though you I'm can. not woke. I'm, I can't be woke, but I am can't be awake. Holy cow! Isn't it crazy? What's going on? Well, I think what's crazy about it is that we're flipping words out and hearing things on the news or in social media, or people are having conversations and using these terms that we've never heard before. And I think that happens over generations where new words get you know in, included into our vernacular and in our dictionary. And next thing you know, it's in you know Merriam-Webster, and then there's obviously you know then there's a definition. But I think what we have to just start with, hun, is that as human beings and as conscious beings, we have the ability to use language. And language is really what keeps us separate from the, you know, the animals and the beasts of the world is that we actually think in words. And I think what I'd like to make sure that, that we you know, create a context or a frame around is that it's our words actually, that we use that create our thoughts. It's not the other way around. And I think what happens is some of this 
culture and this and this appropriation of all these words and this gaslighting that we've been through in the last three to four years is that people are inserting words and languaging which they know psychologically will change your thoughts and when you are using certain words and you're using words that you don't understand in in the uh, whatever kind of description of something that you're talking about with somebody else, but it changes the thoughts that you're having. And what I've learned over the years, and this is very much a, a psychology uh, way of thinking is that our, it's our language. It's our words that create our thoughts. It's our thoughts that create our emotions. It's our emotions that create our actions and our actions that create our habits. So if we're not being super responsible for the words that we use, then we're not actually being responsible for the thoughts that we're bringing into our consciousness. And the thoughts that we're bringing into our consciousness create our emotions. And that's what the psychology people, the nudge unit in the UK and all the stuff that went on from a gaslighting standpoint over the last few years in the media and no disrespect, but you know, the mainstream media was complicit in changing the vernacular and changing the languaging, which directly affected the emotions people were feeling. So you think about the fear, you think about the the driving actions that people took amongst families and that that split them apart. That all came from words, you know, words. Let's, you know, take the 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 yeah, what what did they call the the medical people, for example, they were the the people that were most relevant. No, what was the word back then? I, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not. Well, they're the essential, essential oh, workers. Essential workers. Yeah. Everybody's essential. Yeah. yeah. For me, I was not essential. Mm -hmm. You know, so I wasn't allowed to go out. But if you were essential, so think about the languaging. It came from the words that were consciously put into the media and into the vernacular that then us normal people started using. And next thing you know, you're looking at somebody that's working at a liquor store as essential, but then, you know, me doing my work, I'm not essential. Mm -hmm. So we have to be very mindful going forward, I think, into this new word order, <laughs> so to speak, as to what words we're using, what is the meaning behind it, and how are we using it in to move our world forward in a positive and productive and loving way. You know, there's a couple things that you said that, you know, I don't want to step over. First off, you said the media were complicit. They are complicit. That is definitely an intentional thing that's going on in our world these days. You know, four years ago, I don't know that anybody really understood what gaslighting was. I, re I know for myself, I was familiar with the term, but I hadn't really ever thought about it per se. I realized in hindsight, you know, over the years where I had been gaslit, you know, gaslighting where I'd bought into it. I really get the emotion side of things that the words drive. You think about the divisiveness and polarity we've talked about it many many times the breakdown in family values driven by words and which of course created a lot of emotion you know in the world of investing we say don't make emotional decisions make data-driven decisions but when it comes to uh, societal issues when it comes to family i mean there are a lot when it comes to politics i mean look at me I get fired up when I look at what's going on politically in our world today, whether it be Canada or on a global macro scale. But the point is, is that it, those words really drive emotion. I think there's 
you know, some other side, there's another side to that, which is when you start to understand some of the word, the meaning of these words, like can you really unpack some of the meanings of these words and think about it for a minute, you go, holy cow, you know, we are being gaslit on a regular basis. That's what's definitely happening. There's no question about it. And when we start to look at the word of, you know, and we'll unpack these words a little bit. So think about disinformation, misinformation, very, very common now. I mean, it's politically, it's what's happening. Uh, fact checker, you know, not used as much, but that's what's going on. And behind the scenes, having said that, they don't need as much fact checking because, of course, some of the new bills and the censorship and the shadow banning that went on, all of these things is really about controlling the narrative, which is about controlling the language. It's about controlling the emotion that is driven by that. So when you get into politics, when you get into religion, when you get into uh, race. I mean, all of these things start to really drive emotions. So to your point, I think you said it really well, which is these are words, these are a narrative that are intentionally put out into the, I guess, into the, what would we call it, into the the world, if you will, and people are picking up on them and running with them, their own interpretation of them and what it means to them, which is driving the emotion. So it really is a kind of a funny world that we're in more than ever, I think. And and that's a lot probably based on just the fact that we have more communication in terms of what's out there in social media, TikTok, YouTube, whatever else is out there, right? Well, yeah, 100%. Is And when you think about words driving emotion, emotion driving action, action driving habits, is that the whole nudge unit and the whole, you know, intentionality behind this whole pandemic was to get people to change their habits. It was to get people outside of their normal family units or their groups or their uh, church groups or the people that they would speak with politically. It, it was designed to create division. And I think when we unpack some of these words, for example, like allyship, you know, uh, we used to go to the gay pride parade every long weekend because it was a long weekend in August and we lived downtown Vancouver. And, you know, it was very important because in the world of figure skating and in my world, I have friends and family who are gay. And it was very much that I wanted to be an ally and I would show up and I would support and we would go to the gay pride parade. Well, now it's months and months and months of LGBTQ plus 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 this and that. And if you don't buy into it, you're not an ally, which means you're a racist and a homophobe and the, you know, you're, you know, whatever Nazi or something that you're going to get labeled. Well, the truth is, you know what? I've always been an ally for human, human beings, whether you're gay, straight, black, white, you know, and now we're being identified and, and, and carved out, you know, I'm a cisgender woman. No, I'm not. I'm a woman. I'm a woman with a very powerful opinion and I have things to say and I want to do things and I want to make a difference. I don't want a label. I don't need a label. And what I'm seeing is that there's all these labels now that are designed. They're not designed to bring people together. It's not designed to create allyship or the connection between people. It's designed to divide. So the language that's being used is designed to divide, not to bring together. Yeah, I, I think you said that spot on. I mean, really, that is really the case of what's going on right now. So why don't we do this? Why don't we go through some of these words, give them, uh, I've made some notes in terms of definitions. So why don't we do that? And then we can riff off of what we might see that. Now, these are in no particular order. When we look at what's happening these days, and, and some of these definitions are very interesting because if you go a little bit deeper on them, uh, it's, they're, they're, uh, what's the word? There's, there's almost a seeking of neutral in, 
in the way they've defined them, but we can talk about that in a minute. Okay, so so we've got cancel culture. That's the word at the top, happens to be at the top of my list of things. Cancel culture, which refers to the practice of withdrawing support for public figures or companies after they've done or said something that is considered objectionable or offensive. So we can talk about, uh, you know, Bud Light as an example of beer. We can talk about Disney. We can talk about... Uh, Really what you talked about was a misalignment of values. And this is what's so interesting about what's going on. You and I talk so much about values is that there are no right values. There are no wrong values. They're just your values or their values and our values. What's happening right now is that because we're not adopting somebody else's values, we're made to be wrong. And this is where it gets really annoying because... I don't try, I really don't try and force my values on anybody. I don't make them wrong. I just don't hang out with them. So this goes back to a lot of this divisive language that's being used. And we talk about, you know, the right now, of course, with the uh, LGBTQ community. And, and I don't even know all that about it. All I know is I'm made wrong if I don't buy into whatever they're pushing. And to be honest with you, I just check out. So I don't have an opinion of it other than, don't, I don't care what it is. I'm using that as an example because it comes to mind. My point is, don't put your values on me and make me wrong for not adopting your values or I just don't agree with that. So cancel culture is referring to the practice of withdrawing support as they've done or said something that's considered objectionable. And this is when we get into the cancel culture. As soon as you don't align with my values, you're out and I'm gonna cause Based a movement. Based on what? Like who's deciding on who's being canceled and, and why. I mean, right now there's the entire world, the entire world, and if anybody's paying, maybe three or four African uh, countries in the world are all full on liberal demo uh, Democrats, far, far left. Yeah. So when you think about it, the entire world is a socialist. Like I would say even leaning towards Marxism. And if you're not in that conversation, then you're gonna get canceled. I mean, I talk about, you know, being a, a social and um, a conscious capitalist, for example. I can get canceled because I use the word capitalist, because I believe that entrepreneurs are the heart and soul of our community, of, our, of, of how we build our world. I can get canceled in five minutes because I've got friends that are so far left and so far liberal that they can't even handle the word capitalist. They, it shuts them down. So well, I think in, we're going to be careful in, even in the word liberal or conservative, because even in the scope of what politics are, they've, they're skewed. You know, I, I, we could have both considered ourselves quite liberal not that many years ago, although we kind of were always more on the liberal conservative side of things. But now it's like everything so, moves so far left, I don't even know where the middle is anymore. And so I try not to get into it that way. I just look at our politicians and our politics and going, what's the results? What what are you doing economically? And back to your point, we, we both believe strongly in capitalism and entrepreneurship because that is, to your point, I think it's the heart and soul of not just the economy, but of innovation and of productivity and what drives an economy. So, you know, a when you talk about a uh, compassionate capitalist, it doesn't mean that we don't believe in social programs because we do believe in social programs. It's just that when it starts to steer the ship, it's going, okay, well, I get it. I get that you have a need, but somewhere along the line, somebody has to pay for it besides taxes. But let's not go there. Let's get back to the definitions well, of words. eventually you're going to run out of other people's money. Exactly. Okay. Here's a word that 
people that are listening to us probably are on their same political spectrum. But anyway, my point is, is that we don't have the the right to cancel people. That to me is aggressively um, not appropriate in a way that how dare you? How how dare you cancel anyone? If we don't have the right to free spree, free speech in our life and in our culture, then we're in trouble. And that's why I look at the the Trudeau government, for example, in Canada, with the Bill C eighteen and C eleven, and they're just canceling everybody right and left. I can't even get news on my social feeds. I have to put my VPN on. Oh my God, did I say that out loud? To find out what's going on because I refuse to watch the mainstream media to be spoon fed all the bullshit from you know the narrative. So. Ultimately, who decides who cultures, who, sorry, who decides who cancels whom? It's simple. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. And that's how politicians make their decisions. And it doesn't matter if it's 10 people, if they're the loudest, that's the direction they go. Okay, let's move on from that conversation. Let's get into some more words. Now, this is not a word that I've used in my vocabulary or have actually come across, but I know it's out there, which is called intersectionality. Now, that's the interconnected nature of social categorization, such as race, class, and gender, gender, regarded as creating overlapping and interdependent systems of discrimination or disadvantage. Wow. Did you get all that? It's the interconnected nature of social categorization, such as race, class, gender, regarded as creating overlapping and interdependent systems of discrimination or disadvantage. Now, I'm trying to think of an example that I could run through my head. You're smarter than me. I can't come up with one on that one. Do you have one? Uh, Well, unfortunately, I think this is a word that is completely made up. And it gives people a reason to judge and to say, okay, you know, you judged me in terms of, you know, my race or my class, or it'd be like me saying, you know, I'm a woman, so I need to be treated differently. And if I'm not treated differently and special, then I'm going to be more aggressive. And I'm going to then judge you and cancel you because you didn't use my proper pronouns or you didn't use my or acknowledge the fact that you're a racist because you're a white man. You know, that's what this intersectionality means to me is that it, it gives people a way bigger stick to create more division and more aggressive negativity when it comes to having conversations. I mean, we can't even have a discussion anymore to be uh, curious about, you know, someone's culture, or we can't say, hey, where are you from? And because they look, what are you talking about? You know, I was talking to an Uber driver the other day, and I was afraid to ask him where he was from. I knew he was from India somewhere. And I was like, okay, so how long have you been in Canada? And he's like 40 years. And so you're Canadian? No, I'm India. Like, so it's like, we don't even have an entry point right now when it comes to certain conversations. And I think that, and again, when it comes to that, that intersectionality is something that's really, really damaging when it, and, and people just shut down. They just stop talking, which is really, I think a huge, huge problem going forward. Interesting. It's one of the first questions I ask when I get in a cab or an Uber, I start chatting with them and I ask them, you know, where are you from and how long you've been in Canada and how is it? How do you finding it? Like I, I, I have that conversation all the time. I don't let any of that get in my way, but I do understand what you're saying. Okay. Next word. This is a good one. Microaggression, which is a statement, action, or incident regarded as an instance of indirect, subtle, or unintentional. That's interesting. Unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group. So that's and called. And what is that? 
what is even that? Right now, you know, the biggest marginalized group right now is straight white men. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's so not true. even kidding. It's like if you're not if you're straight white men, you are completely canceled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, whole, you know, you've had all this privilege your whole life. Well, you know what? I think I call bullshit on that. Okay, and well, you're okay. Sorry, you, go ahead. You're being very vocal today with your your new word order. So micro <laughs> microaggression a statement, action, or incident regarded as an instance of indirect, subtle, and this is the one that they added in there, or unintentional discrimination against members. Yeah, so of don't a, even know if you've hurt someone. Well, let's say, yeah, for example, you know, marginalized group. Well, what the hell's a marginalized group? And then right? I look at exactly. that and I listen to that. I listen to this and I look at this definition. And I go, well, <clears throat> you can, it's unintentional. I've been told I was passive aggressive, yet my intention was not passive aggressive. I'm very familiar with passive aggressive, but I've been said, sometimes you're really passive aggressive. And I go, okay, really? Okay. I didn't know that. So then I have to clean up my language and I'm thinking to that person, you know, like, how are you holding this? Like, why would you even think in that term? But I take responsibility for it and I go, okay, let me I'll work on that. But right. But how do we know, Han, when you think about it, how do we know if we if we've unintentionally hurt someone's feelings and if they don't tell us, how do we know? I have no idea. I, I would never if I think about I don't know a lot of people who go around intentionally wanting to hurt other people by their words or their actions or their meanings. Like to me, well, you don't know is, a lot, but that doesn't mean that with that you don't know a lot of people. But I, I think it's quite common. I, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. I think people are inherently good. And I want to believe that to, to my core is that if, if, unless you're, you know, a gaslighter, like, you know, we've had experiences with people that really do take advantage and abuse other people. But I want to believe that most people that we know are inherently good. And if they say something that hurt my feeling, it's my responsibility to say, Hey, ooh, ouch, I think that hurt my feeling. D that's not what you meant. Right. But you know, if I'm so freaking sensitive, that I can't handle a conversation and somebody just saying something that matters to them and their values, they're giving me information about who they are and what they mean. It's not up to me to judge. And it's up to me. It's like I said, you know, on the last podcast is sticks and stones may break my bones, but words and names will never hurt me. I have enough confidence to know that maybe they didn't quite understand what they were saying. And, you know, maybe I misinterpreted or, or I heard something, I misheard something, but I'm going to take responsibility and go, what did you mean by that? And let's dig into it and have a conversation. Not just, oh my God, that was a microaggression. You meant to hurt me. No, I did it. Well, no, but there's unintentional here. So you, oh, so then they would say you unintentionally discriminated against me. So how okay, you unintentionally discriminated against me? Oh gosh, I can't even. I don't even know why. Who picked this topic? Okay, I, we're going to keep going. Cultural appropriation, the adoption or use of elements of one culture by members of another culture, often with little understanding or respect for the original culture. This is my favorite. This is like Trudeau and blackface. You know, or him and his family going to India, getting off the plane, completely like duded up and saris and stuff. That's cultural misappropriation. But no, but this is cultural. Try to take on or try to impress people by, I, I'm so understanding for your culture. I'm going to dress like you. It's cultural appropriation, not misappropriation. Well, well to me, <laughs> it was <it's> misappropriation. <laughs> yeah. If you try to adopt, elements of other people's culture to try to oppress them that's gaslighting like i don't like i don't 
I want to understand our differences. I want to understand what brings us together as humans. Like I look at us, like for me, I look at races. I don't look at, I look at the human race. I don't look at skin color or, or gender or whatever. So when you talk about cultural appropriation, I call it misappropriation. If you're going to use somebody's culture or color or dress or accent to be demeaning, that to me is misappropriation. Well, you know, just in that, and I know this is maybe a stretch, but I was thinking about this, you know, you go back to cancel culture and then you think about cultural appropriation or in the context you're using it, a misappropriation. And you look at the definitions of this and I can't help but think about cancel uh, or cultural appropriation and then cancel culture. When I bring those together, what I get to and what I want to shine a light on is where we are, for example, where historic statues are being torn down or broken or thrown into storage because of churches being burned, you know, because of, well, churches, that's a different conversation. I'm talking about trying to eliminate and deny the history that got us where we are. The, 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 the politicians that still were politicians, whether they were offside or onside. I mean, at the end of the day, it was all part of what got us and what created this country and this world. I mean, it's happening across us and Canada. And to me, those are, you know, when you start to talk about with little understanding or respect for the original culture, it's like the cancel culture. These are things that we're going back to what we just talked about, which is because I don't, I don't relate or align with your values. It's all wrong. We are going to deny our history like pretend it didn't exist or make it wrong. Yet here you are standing in a country the way it is, all of which was because of those individuals that got us here. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. That's, you know, to me where, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that other than cultural appropriation and cancel culture came, came together for me in that example. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And sadly, we're going to have kids growing up that aren't going to know our history because they're going to remove it from the history books or they're going to knock down, you know, the the statues or change the name of a university because some guys made a comment or or said they made a comment that, you know, we don't even know to be true anymore. And that's the sad part is that yeah. the you know, the generations going forward aren't going to know how hard like I lost, you know, how many family members in different wars and you know an uncle that came back without a colon because it was blown out of him from world war ii and 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 you're thinking why did these people why did we do that why did we do that what were we fighting for do we forget that did we forget what we were fighting for and what what freedom is and now freedom right now that which which is interesting is not on our list but now freedom's a dirty word you can't be a, a freedom fighter or believe in freedom without being called a racist you know, and I've seen it on, on social media and I've got, I got, you know, cousins and people that are saying, don't use the word freedom or don't use this. Don't say that you're, you know, you're a freedom fighter because that means you're a racist. They've changed the definition of freedom. Yeah, I get it. That's because you're woke. And the, now here's the definition of. I'm awake. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. I'm not saying you're woke. I'm saying oh. <laughs> in the, in the well, context. Well, let's talk about that. The difference between woke and awake. Well, first off, let's give definition of woke, which is really interesting. 
and is so, to me, not accurate. A term meaning socially aware or enlightened often used to describe someone who is aware of social justice issues. And I'm going, are you kidding me right now? So they, uh, I'm just so not woke. I am more in the realm of holding myself as awake by my definition. And to me, you know, woke is this new thing that I don't get it. I don't get it. And so I'm just going to leave it at that. I got, I don't know if I have an opinion of it other than it, I find it very annoying. Well, yeah, I find it annoying as well. Um, when you think about when I hear the term woke and you, you think about, you know, social justice and the people and, and, and the people that I know that are on the more the, the liberal side of the, of the, of the, of the house, they're thinking that they're special because they're aware of these social injustices, et cetera. They shine a light on it. But what to me it does is it shines a light just on more division. If I'm going to talk about woke versus awake, I would rather say I'm awake and I'm aware of what's going on and the social injustices here. Um, and in Canada, what we're fighting for is, you know, I'm fighting against, or I want to fight against tyranny. I want to fight against a culture of, of, you know, of control and a big government and small business. I, I want big business and small government. And to me, that's awake. It's being self-responsible and a hundred percent responsible for everything that happens in my life. If I'm woke, the government is responsible for me and I'm going to buy into whatever, you know, narrative is happening and whatever they're going to shove down my throat. But to me, there's the two differences like awoke and then there's awake. Got it. Okay. So we're going to keep moving on. So the next word that we've got to unpack, we brought it up at the start of the show, which was gaslighting, which seems to be about the most popular thing that's going on these days, which is the manipulative behavior, behavior aimed at making someone question their own perceptions, memory, or sanity, often by denying the validity of their experience or emotions. And we're constantly being gaslit by our government. You know, it's the constant, I guess, the narrative by government saying, you know, all Canadians, and we have Canadians in mind, and, you know, we're actually running a great budget. Keep and- you safe keep you safe and the economy's awesome and all of these things that, you know, we're seeing it a lot in the government side of it. But the whole gaslighting, if you look at, for example, right now, when we consider the term climate change, it used to be global warming, it used to be global cooling, now it's climate change. I don't even know if that's the most recent term, that it doesn't seem to matter how much evidence anybody gives one way or the other, it's going to be wrong depending on how it serves you to have climate. So if you're on that side of the equation that says, if we have climate or global warming and then we need cooling and or we have climate change and the industry I'm in is in the industry of solar or the anything environmental that makes a difference. energy. Yeah. Sustainable windmills, whatever the case, like all of a sudden, because I'm in that industry, it serves me to say that we have a global, uh, we have a climate change issue. Now, I'm not even going to get into the debate. It doesn't really matter what I think one way or the other. The point of it is it's just an example of the gaslighting that goes on on either side. Let's say, it, let's put it that way. And then you're going to- yeah, 
whatever you decide, yeah. whatever you decide you believe in terms of climate change, your call. But at the end of the day, we're being gaslit all over the place. I just happened to use that as an example. No, I think it's a good example. I mean, I, I didn't think of it that way. But when you think about what's happening in Canada right now with these carbon taxes and everything, it's like if we throw more money at it, we're going to save the climate. Like, really? So where's that money going? I feel that's where we're being gaslit is that, you know, the, there's so many people that are being fear porned technically into believing that we're going to lose the polar bears and we're going to lose the ice caps. But this has been going on since time immoral. Like, like we've been hearing about this, whether it's the climate change, the global warming, the global cooling. Remember that that thing? What was that? The ozone layer? You know, there's a hole in the ozone layer and we're all going to be dead in 12 years, 12 years, 12 years, 12 years. And you know what's interesting about 12 years? I just got it. It's that's how long kids are in school. So when you think about they're being gaslit in school to believe that we're going to be dead in 12 years and they get so emotionally connected to the polar bears and what's happening and we're going to be dead and the oceans are going to be this and the things are going to be that. It's like, and this is like my 17th rodeo when it comes to this. And now we're paying so much money in carbon tax and another one coming in April 1st. And, you know, the, the liberal government telling everybody that we're going to die and we're not, if we're not going to put more money into it, just throw money at it, we're going to save the climate. Well, I think, and I call bullshit. Okay. So got it. And just as a side note about polar bears, uh, just literally saw the stat. So somebody had made the comment that the deaths of polar bears has increased 28%. And then somebody literally showed a stat, a legitimate stat. I don't remember who the stat was from, but it was some agency, government agency, by the way. So that must make it real. Well, Anyways, legitimate. my sarcasm. Anyways, the point is, is that in the past, I think it's 10 years, uh, polar bear population has tripled. So as much as so as much as we last year we lost or last three years we you know twenty eight percent decrease they didn't show the other side of that that's against a you know three x increase all part of the challenges that we face these days in what's going on and who do we believe well that goes back okay so now we have no choice we have to look at as we start to wind this down we're going to be here forever if we don't start to wind this down and that is in the context of Misinformation versus disinformation. So versus malinformation, uh, my favorite mal word. Okay, we can go through all of them. So, but misinformation refers to false, false or inaccurate information that is spread, regardless of whether there is an intent to deceive. It can be spread unintentionally, often due to misunderstandings, mistakes, or misinterpretations. So, you know, my polar bear story. Uh, you know, that's probably considered misinformation because somebody would come at me and go, well, no, 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 you got to dig a little deeper. So that's misinformation. Disinformation, on the other hand, is the false information that is deliberately created and spread with the intent to deceive or to manipulate. Unlike mm, like our government. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've related to government. Let's use them. It's easy to throw them under the bus these days because it's so appropriate. So unlike misinformation, however, disinformation is actually spread with malicious intent, often for political ideology or like ideological or propaganda purposes. And all these people in Davos on their private jets, and they're telling me that I can't drive my SUV. Oh, gosh, you get fired up. Okay. So I know. 
So that's like you and Trudeau. So me, <laughs> maybe I spread misinformation because that's, but it's unintentional as opposed to disinformation, Whoa. which I have no malicious intent. I have no political, ideological, or propaganda purposes to what I'm sharing or my view of the world. And, uh, that's what I got. So when we wrap We're that up. We're not all- allowed to have an opinion. We're not allowed to say this is what I think based on, you know, it's funny. I was reading something today and it said, you know what? I may not be a, you know, a scientist, but I I know how to read. I may not be a biologist, but I know how to read. You're a power you know, reader so- too. You are a power reader. So you're a good reader. I'm a power reader. Yeah, you are. So, But that's what I think about when I hear about misinformation, disinformation, malinformation. It's just a way to create more division. It's more division, more division, more division. I don't think if if I used to believe in the mainstream media, I had friends and family that were in the media that cared about it. They were investigative reporters, and now they're just mouthpieces, you know, just reading off the teleprompter or, or they're just hitting, you know, send on an email and they're just reading what everybody else is reading. So to me, we don't know what misinformation is. We don't know what disinformation or malinformation. All we can do is do the best we can and come from our values and, 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 and be as truthful as we can in the moment. Okay, so the point is, is that misinformation and disinformation both involve false information. And the fundamental difference is the intent behind the dissemination. So misinformation may be spread unintentionally, whereas disinformation is deliberately created and spread with the aim of deceiving or manipulating others. So when we hear our prime minister talk about misinformation and disinformation, I don't necessarily believe he understands the difference between those two words, but at the end of the day, we know that most of what comes out of our government's mouth is disinformation. That's what I'm going to label that. Okay, so then there's malinformation, which is a term that refers to intentionally misleading or harmful information that's shared with the knowledge of its falsity or with reckless disregard for the truth. So that kind of reminds me of disinformation based on that definition, but malinformation and disinformation are not quite the same. But it's a big word. The government likes to use the big word. Disinformation, misinformation, and malinformation. Mm-hmm. Right? And by the time you get to the third word, you're like, oh, okay, well, somebody's trying to hurt me or gaslight me, so I might as well, you know, give up. Okay, well, let me add a little bit more depth to this word malinformation. So it's unlike misinformation, which can be spread inadvertently or without malicious intent, Malinformation involves a deliberate effort to deceive or to manipulate others. It can take various the last three years. Okay. It can take various forms, including false rumors, fabricated stories, doctored images or videos. Oh boy, that's where AI is going to come in, Andy. And selective or biased reporting designed to mislead or manipulate audiences. Oh gosh, so. Malinformation, I think I'm going to start using that word a lot more on my Twitter feed. And it's often spread for political, ideological, or commercial purposes with the intention of influencing public opinion, inciting division, or undermining trust in intuition or institutions, I should say. So, Oh, that's funny. 
So malinformation is now the word. That has actually, I'm going to uh, connect the dots with that one. Uh, I'm glad we're going to unpack malinformation. That's a that's a, a really important word to have in your vocabulary these days. And uh, that's all I got. So anything, as you want to wrap this up? Because you've been fired up on this this particular subject. Well, I, I guess I'm fired up because I understand the power of language and words. You know, there'll be times when I'm working with a team from another country and I'll say, you know, I want you to express yourself in your first language. I don't need to understand, but you need to understand the words that you're speaking in your own language. So if we're going to use English, for example, and we're going to use words like disinformation, misinformation, gaslighting, um, allied Malinformation, malinformation. Malinformation. So what's happening is that you think about marketing and PR and the things that were used against the population, that's malinformation. That was used for people to make decisions on to what to do and where to live and what to put in their bodies and who they should stay away from and who they should hang out with and, you know, they should wear a face diaper or whatever. That was, to me, a huge marketing push of malinformation. And I think if we don't understand that we have to have a filter system with our own languaging and our own understanding of what certain words mean, and then align that with our values and our intuition and our, think about the cognitive dissonance that was created because of all of this. We need to be able to have some discernment in the words that we're hearing so that what we're repeating back to ourselves is true for us. And we're just not a bunch of repeating mouthpieces of, of government malinformation or, or marketing or PR or nudging. I think we need to slow down and be responsible for the words, not just that we speak, but the ones that we repeat and the ones that we listen to and the ones that we believe. Got it. Well, you've been a fired up Francie. It was my turn. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, Stephanie. That was fun. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.